Bobby and Joe on the list. I mean, you've, yeah. you've touched on Joe a little bit. Um, but if we go back to Joe... Talk about I, Joe and then go into Bobby. I, I think the most important thing with Joe is his brother was Paul Hanlon. Yeah. Me and Paul are still talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, Paul's been, been great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, and just to, to emphasise something, people fall into the trap they call him Joe Hanlon, Joe Bananas. Joe Bananas is a gangster. Joe Bananas, Hanlon, didn't exist. But the newspapers make it exist because they had a photograph because he turned up at Dungavel Buzz and dressed as a banana for a kid's day. Right. As you would wear a banana. I don't know why he picked a banana. But it was a pineapple with Joe the pineapple. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So... Because he, because he's done something. Uh, again, that's his unfinished funny. Joe's <coughs> mum fucking reads the newspapers and goes ballistic every time she looks at the word. My son's middle name's no fucking bananas. You know, mums are mums. My mum's same with mine. Yeah. Uh, reading fucking nonsense. So it's Joe Hanley, and we'll describe how it's no Joe Bananas Hanley because he done a fucking went to Dungavel Open Day. For prisoners uh, to to look after all the kids, so if the, the families can get visits mm. and private. So I got in old Joe, but I never got in old Joe enough because he, he came to me later on and said what I heard in the pub with that McGraw and I know Bradley and Henderson. He says I know this cunt loves. I used to take him home, Stephen Dunk. He was never out of here. I've seen it all, I couldn't, he says, I can't believe it all. All you've done is give me an opportunity to get to move away. So he moved away and he went and spoke to, to, to Bobby uh, because they did have ice cream vans together and they had, had different businesses together. So, I mean, uh, Bobby became became friendly. And the, the serious thing about Joe Hanlon is... He wasn't meant to be there that night, and the reason why I know he wasn't meant to be there that, that night is because somebody happened to slip up and mention mm-hmm. Joe shouldn't have been there that night. Somebody else heard that, somebody passed it on. And we're thinking, right. Joe was kept back because other people knew it was going to happen to Bobby. Bobby Glover. Bobby Glover never had a vehicle at that time because the vehicle was in a police compound. Mm-hmm. Far as I know, Bobby phoned three people. One of them was Joe. Yeah. To leave a message. Within eight days, he had a mobile phone and fucking all that. Kept on and get whatever the communication was. I don't know. There was telephone communication to to get uh, Joe to come down and pick Bobby up because he had to go. Mm. There was a communication where Bobby phoned a friend of mine's brother, uh, John, which still affected to this day. Where, because he was five minutes away if he got to pick him up. He said it's fucked. He hardly ever goes out and does what he does. This is probably something else that we'll need to look at and, and get back on it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, a private thing. Of course. Uh, this guy's just a straight goer. Actually, somebody else has got ice cream band as well. Never been in trouble in his life. He missed it by five minutes. Otherwise, they'd be saying he was involved in the fucking murder. Mm-hmm. He must have been because he's in the motor. Same way Joe Hanlon must have been because he was in the motor. Same way 
what would Glover get done? Because he must have been involved in it. There's a lot of things that was going on that we didn't know. Uh, and this is where Wedge used the, the faction side of things. Mm -hmm. On the basis that we don't know what it is, but we'll write what the word on the street is. And he did write what the word on the street was. But the people in the know started talking. Maybe, maybe no that year. Maybe the next year or the year after, five years later. There's no time scale on it because it all comes back to you at the end of the day. Because somebody says, what a load of shite that was that I read. Yeah. About this happening like that. Did it for to happen like this. And all of a sudden you go, did it? Okay. So then you know. It's uh, not for me to go and give anybody any information other than Paul Handler. I used to know what happened to his fucking brother. He's quite entitled to know what's happened to his brother Steve, you know. So, with Bobby Glover, it was difficult one for me to go and see his family because I don't even know if his mum's still alive or whatever. But I was, I was friendly with Bobby. I wasn't friendly with his family. I knew his brother. Uh, but I wasn't friendly with his family as such, because I didn't know his family as such. Yeah. I, was, I was more, I'd met Joe's mum by that time, even before I met Joe. <laughs> Big Paul, uh, and different things. So, while I'm in line in, in prison on the land, uh, and I, I, I don't blame her, it's Bobby's mum, I don't blame her for suggesting that I had something to do with a boy's death. Mm -hmm. So so what? But how can you reasonably get out of prison and go and visit without causing any way? And then because you don't go and visit, it's he's not been near my door since my boy's been killed. I was never near that door anyway. Mm -hmm. And this is something that's unfunniest business that, that, that we need to on a delicate I'm not having a go at his mum you can under, if it happened to me, I'm sure my mum would yeah. probably be saying the same thing. You know what I mean? And other people would be hurt because it's not true. But that uh, in itself was a uh, very short period of involvement with both parties. Yeah. You know, the people think long time friends, lifetime friends. No, Paul Hanlon. I'm not that no Paul since I was 16. I'm still there when I was 16. I mm -hmm. uh, met Bobby Glover. In 1989, when I got out, mm -hmm. he got killed in 1990. Met John 1990, he got killed fucking next year, Langley Bobby. So, they made a move to get away for a stench, and that's how they get repaid by looking after people and kindness and a phone call. That's what happened. Phone call wasn't it to Joanne, phone call was to Bobby Glover. <laughs> Bobby Glover then phoned other people together. As I said, there's a guy in there uh, who I consider as a friend of mine anyway, but I'm more friendly with his brother. Mm -hmm. That would have been there instead of Joanne. That's how we know, Steve. Mm -hmm. So that's another myth to put to bed about uh, even. I don't think there's a problem with us mentioning how Joe was called Joe Banana. 
because family's going to read it and the family have got every right to read it. But I think on this occasion, what I would like to do is anything to do with Joe Katie's brother to read. And if there's any connections or anything they want to add to it, or are you the guy for it? Yeah. I think we would, with delicate issues like that, Steve, we always give the people the place. Because they might want to say, can you leave them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or can, can we add to it? Mm-hmm. You never know. So. Okay. Billy McPhee. What one? Two. What? <laughs> Two? Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy McPhee was the first one that I met was in uh, Manchester. Right. Uh, and Rob, Rob's uh, living room, big massive cunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, was alleged to be involved in the, the Yugoslavian uprising and civil fucking war that's happening over there. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the situation where he's showing Rob, he's getting, Come in with this big folder or the photographs. And now Rab's got oh look Rab's not even looking at with Rab's got look at that done. Like fucking fifty caliber or something like that. So he's showing me the forties. He's pointing out, that's me. I'm looking and going, that's him. He's all camouflaged up, come on, look here on. Let Rambo double strapped up with a fucking uh side arm or fucking they're all posing like that in a photograph. And it gets to the stage where he was looking for two jeeps for humanitarian use. Now I'm thinking, what a laugh I said. Because when I, when I say a laugh, right, it's something which they're going to take over and do the medivac and they need the Land Rovers mm-hmm. uh, because that's what it is. So we couldn't get them Land Rovers other than getting them nicked. And they're not going to go to the country if they're nicked because you can't tell when they're going to be reported stolen. Last thing you want to do is give somebody a vehicle, they go, go on a ferry. They'll probably not even go on the fucking when they check the registration number. There. So a few quid's been passed here and there for him to go and do what he's done. And it's not until years later I meet up with Paul Marcy in Glasgow. And we talk about this brother McPhee. I'm like, what? Yeah. So two. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I <was two. coughs> the other one's a big cunt as well. <clears throat> I said, but this one, fucking had me, man, had me rob over for five grand for this fucking Sarajevo nonsense. I said he was a, uh, what a mercenary. So Paul's finished the story off. I thought, do you know him? He said, yeah, he's had me over as well. I burst out laughing. I went. That's good then. Yeah. <laughs> I felt a bit sore with the first one, so when we discovered that uh, Paul had been a bit deceived as well, he kind of evened it up a wee bit. Yeah. Wait till I get this bastard, I'm fucking cracking Paul, so now I'm thinking, crack him, you need to stand a fucking barstool. Crack this car. But the other one, Billy McPhee, we uh, get killed in Glasgow, kind of publicly violent one, maybe 
I don't know, 50, 60 star points rapidly. Knowing that he could have a vest on, be a sailing, mm-hmm. had stabbed him around the neck, eyes, ears, they were a bad, bad. Uh, I'm not saying, I, I, I wouldn't imagine it, so it was a quick death, but this was somebody who was spiting young lassies drinks along the his, his wee crowd. And this wee lassie, one of the lassies at one time, told her dad, and dad takes her to the cop shop. Cops turn around and say, you sure you want to proceed with us? And these are the guys that, uh, like, uh, light fires. Mm-hmm. You know, you might find a house in fact, are you sure you want to do this? We getting this second hand, I wasn't there Steve, I don't know, but I'm getting it for the guy who told me the next part of it. Dad's that disgusted with it. They know he's serious. They get doing an offer from 10 grand to just Gordon Ross's boys involved in the next one. Uh, they offer the guy 10 grand, the guy doesn't take it. To keep his, keep his mouth shut and his daughter's mouth shut, or whatever it is. Because he didn't take it, he get lettered. These people frightened a whole fucking area. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable whole area. Young boys taking gear off them. Young lassies getting fucking gang raped. Uh, these were scumbags. Yeah. For what they've done. Might sound a bit rich coming from me. Other people might, people might be reading things about me and going, that's that scumbag talk about another scumbag. Mm-hmm. So, there is a level, what I touched on earlier, about parallel societies mm-hmm. for Mr. and Mrs. Joe Fublet. This is a parallel society. And the only way these sort of things were ever, ever going to get sorted out is with state justice. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously done something to somebody at some stage to merit that. And for what I know, he, he, he got exactly what he was looking for. Because mm-hmm. the way he was carrying on, he was might have got back now. Mm-hmm. Just unfortunate that happened in front of a lot of innocent people. Because he wasn't that fucking innocent. Gordon Ross? Gordon Ross knew him through Bobby Glover. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's partnered up with a guy called Chick Blacken. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to do the roofs. Mm-hmm. Uh, met him in a cottage bar. Knew him. F- they were Bobby's kind of gophers, mm-hmm. uh, two, two big strapping boys, mm-hmm. and then they ended up then uh, the cannabis ones, and branching out in the end and getting involved with McGraw, and obviously didn't work out too clever for them either, mm-hmm. you know, because he was another one, there was, there was Billy McPhee, Gordon Ross, Chuck Glacken, And another one. That was the ones that used to spike on it. I, I don't know what they used, Steve, but uh, you're talking gang rape. Yeah. That, that's nasty, horrible fucking thing. And that, that nasty, horrible things like that, that people do, get nasty, horrible things back to them. Yeah. You know, so Jimmy Gordon Ross, he's obviously upset, upset somebody very similar to the way that McPhee upset somebody. Mm-hmm. And he repeatedly stopped. 
Karma. Sorry? Karma. Karma. A bit more than karma, I would think. You know, these people were... They had the confidence to go and do what they were doing because McGraw had their back. Mm. McGraw had the cops and all the rest of it. And he had the cops to such an extent that you would think any decent-minded fucking person would think, how can a DNA sample for a rape victim go missing? Not a charge he's dropped. Mm-hmm. You work that one up. Yeah. That, and that's what happened. So you can say <clears throat> McGraw was at it, Ross was at it, McPhee was at it, cops were also at it. That was their partners. Yeah. How the fuck can a sample that go missing? Mm-hmm. A crucial sample of an innocent wee lasses can fuck all the day with anything. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, Rules for one, rules for another. You know, they want, to, they want to remove evidence as well as plant it. Mm-hmm. You can't ride two horses with one horse. You're either gathering evidence and or finding it and doing your job, or you're not. Mm-hmm. Or you're on somebody's payroll. And there was a, quite a lot of them on McGraw's payroll. Mm-hmm. Devlin and McCarthy. McCartney, McCartney, sorry. McCartney, they called Joker, never met him before. Craig Devlin, never met him before. Uh, they were probably, like, I double act. When I, when I say I double act, I double act as in they try to replace McGraw's security. Mm-hmm. Billy McPhee was uh, McGraw's... Uh, passenger seat warmer. You know, he didn't need to have heated seats because he had heated seats for him. Or he would jump into the driver's seat, or presumably, and heat that up first before the boss comes out. Yeah. And then jump into the passenger seat. That's just a piss take, Steve. It never happened. Yeah, but that's, that's funny. But it gives you an idea of... Yeah. His position. His position. <laughs> it, it nails his position. He's a seat warmer, right? Yeah. But a big seat warmer. So the seat will get warmer quicker because we've got them last <laughs> But a fucking big bully as well. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> God Ross became his uh, lieutenant, uh, which was a big surprise because everybody knew that McGraw was a grass for this time. Uh, and I think he got closer to McGraw. I think McGraw actually got the DNA took away from where it was, where they had it where they store the, the DNA to keep Gordon Ross close to him mm-hmm. because the DNA was Gordon Ross's voice. Mm-hmm. DNA. Rapist. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was McGraw's two security. Uh, all that's talk about boys doing bodyguards and oh, good sounds newspaper, sounds good, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so then all of a sudden these people appeared in the scene. Out of thin air, I've never fucking heard of them. And all of a sudden they're there. It's like the clouds open up and this sunlight beams down on them. And instead of God, it's McGraw. God, are you with us? And they say, yes, my lord. 
and you get another seat warmer, which was Devlin, and another fucking half what was they call him Joker. Mm-hmm. Call him Joker. I don't think they call him Joker because he's funny. Mm-hmm. I think they call him Joker because he's because he has a bit of joke. Yeah. I don't know him well enough. I don't want to be deliberate and criticising somebody that I don't know. Mm-hmm. But for what I do know, is he acts like a joke, talks like a joke, and his name's Joker, and I think that's enough about the guy. Devlin, same as Billy McPhee, body warmer, uh, who should have knew better because he got shot in the security wars mm-hmm. years ago when I was in prison. Otherwise, I'd get fucking blamed for that one as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he knows what like it is to be shot because he was screaming like a big girl at Oh, please don't do that. When they want to get an act of gangster. And then when they meet real gangsters, no real guy, newspapers call them that, when they meet real hard fucking people that don't tolerate any nonsense mm-hmm. and he cries like a baby, then they know what he was. So that information with Devlin. Information about uh, the Joker. Uh, I think he gets shot through his arse and through his bollocks. Uh, Devlin gets shot in the shoulder. And McGraw was either playing pool or was under the pool table at the time. But I don't think the people knew that McGraw was, would have been there. Right. Otherwise, he'd have caught up. And there's another story as well that McGraw worked the, the gunman with a well, uh, I can't see that. I can't see that. I think he'd have been. I mentioned once that it was a 9.9 dive that he'd done because I think the Commonwealth Games or Olympics were on or something. But uh, one ran into the cellar and locked the other ones. <laughs> so, pandemonium, there he's got his driver on the second one and they've been shot. And the interesting thing is, us, Steve. He gets an escort to the hospital. Mm-hmm. He gets stopped in a car with two people who are shot. No, either he's identified two years because normally it's fat happens. Whoever's driving it is getting blamed for shooting him. Mm-hmm. That's that's a crime scene. The yeah. car is a crime scene. Shouldn't it be going anywhere? Mm-hmm. That gets blocked off. Ambulances take people to hospital and they also work on them in the back mm-hmm. if they need a defibrillator yeah. and they cut them open. Where do you get in the back of that? F- fucking anyway they get a VIP escort to the uh, accident emergency ward. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about that, it was a, it was always a case of if somebody knew that McGraw was there, then he'd have he'd have he'd have been off. Joe Pyle. Joe Pyle was a friend of Arthur Sutty. Arthur Sutty was uh, one of the old London boys that I was arrested with in 1997 in London. Uh, When I wrote The Ferris Conspiracy, uh, I gave a copy to Arthur Sutty. That reached Joey Pyle, I think. Joey was just out of prison. Yeah, he'd been locked up on the... So, so when I was getting in, it's quite strange, because you get screws open and you're doing something. Back to back, and 
Joy pile. Thanks. So you're getting me butts and you're getting butts for Arthur. Arthur, sorry. Uh, butts for fucking Palmer. Paul Massey, cause you're Scottish and an English sister. We're all the same anyway. Yeah. We're all looking for each other, but it's people that we go and hands off with. But Joey, my first impression of Joey was I, I get took over with Arthur City to visit Joey. Being told that he'd been away. And it was obvious that he'd been away because his house was, when I say date, dated, the radio, the TV, uh, just things that you notice that are no, no, they're no new. They're a couple of year old. They're no upgraded. So whether they liked them like that or whether that's the way it was. But I never realised how uh, well go Joey was because it, it's no as if at that time you could go and do, do a Google search. Joey Fowles, Joey Powerland and who's you're going on word of mouth, and if it's good enough for Arthur Sotis to tell me that Joey Pyle yeah. is who he is, then that's who he is. Uh, Lords are great nights for Joey. Uh, sporting events, personal events, uh, <laughs> one in particular, a fucking boxing event that was right mad as a brush. Uh, with a couple of travellers that didn't think the fight went their way for their guy, we just kicked off. Uh, and Joey could have a fucking go as well. Uh, wasn't he? Slow and hiding that. It was a bit of a surprise when he died after doing that length of time and being involved in what he'd been doing, but he was a guy that made the, the wee man film out. If it wasn't for him pressing the right buttons, it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't it for Reg writing a book, it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't it for my dad having me even my mum that would probably wouldn't be sitting here. You know, so how far do you go? Yeah. Uh, but Joey is one of the few people I would say was a real deal. Mm-hmm. No, after meeting him. Charlie Cray, real deal. Mm-hmm. Arthur Sutty, real deal. All these sort of people. Mm-hmm. Wilf Pine? Very real deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Wolf, I bet, on numerous occasions. Uh, there's things that we can talk about and the things that we can't talk about. I'm sure you appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Wolf is I'm due to pay him a visit. I'll, I'll rephrase that. I'm due to visit him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because he's, he's still pretty much injured. Yeah. Uh, for an operation to enhance the workings of his heart. You know, so a man can only take so many operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, uh, real deal. Mm-hmm. You only need to look at his history. I think there's one in particular. Uh, the Englishman in the Mafia. Private book. Gives you well, something about that. Private stories that he tells you is, is really funny. Mm-hmm. And how he moved through. London based to get away from all the nonsense to ending up in America and get caught up in a lot of bigger nonsense than what he went. So, yeah. Uh, still for me to tell Wolf's story, it's for Wolf to tell Wolf's story, but again, uh, real deal. Mm-hmm. We'll finish up with um, the 
Fat Boy Thompson, just a, a bit of a, a chat about him and his dad, Arthur, because mm. obviously, like, you know, played a big part in your life. So let's finish off with the Thompson, the Thompson family, I suppose. I, I think the misconception that a lot of people have got, I've read stories about how I was brought up with Thompson family and nurtured up through the ranks and all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, you're, you're actually reading stuff that didn't exist. Yeah. You're reading somebody else's stuff that, well, where, the, where did this come from? You know, this is somebody that's obviously been sitting, spinning a, a yarn somewhere. So, because it's unfinished business, let's finish it on this point and just smash another myth. The first occasion that I ever had to known who the Thompsons were uh, was when I used to climb over the wall to the graveyard next to the house to go to my grand's, because it was a shortcut. And Thompson Jr., ironically enough, was at the window with a telescope, rifle, a rat catcher, not a gas gun, but yeah. shooting at fucking pupils like in bass and things like that. Uh, so he was known as having nice big car. People knew who they were, Steve. You know? yeah. uh, there was no need for me to know who they were. Uh, even right up to I was 16 and 17, I knew who they were, but I didn't know, know who they were. Uh, Thompson Jr. was in the neck for firearms. Uh, I think he got out about 1990 or something. Run about the same time. No, oh, I'll tell you what, the time scale was a the time scale, he must have got out around about 19. 83, 84, right. that you get out. Because I just came out of the, the Young Offenders Institution. Uh, I went and I looked for a guy called Ian McDonald, uh, known as Blink, in the province now, and they said the family owned the, the brothers owned it. That was, and it was Thompson's brother, that had the, uh, Thompson's brother's wife had the license for it. So, it was one of these stages where if Thompson goes in somewhere and has a drink, he owns a pub. You know, if he's seen in a car, he owns a car. He walks along the pavement, he owns a street. That's the aura and myth that was puffed up and belched out for fucking years and years and years. Uh, so I think it's important that, one, not to glamorise it, tell it how it is. If we're going to hurt somebody, it's going to hurt somebody, but at least there are no grey areas, people are going to make their own views on it. Other people might say, well, of course she's going to say that. Of course he will say this, he will say that. He doesn't like them. I never knew them enough not to like them. What I did know when I was there that short period of time, I didn't like. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we fat boy, I met him in the problem I want. Uh, as per trade in the film, didn't happen like that, but that's artistic license for you. Uh, and then there was an occasion where one of the cousins had knocked on uh, somebody innocently crossed the road in a stolen car. Uh, my young sister had uh, gave the police a statement. She's naive, she's a young girl. Um, my dad heard about it, my dad's wanted to go and see Thompson. I went, no, I'll do it. And I went, no, I didn't see no. And this would probably be a time before 
even fat boy got out. It was just to say, my dad told me to come around and have a chat with you to tell you my sisters gave a statement against so and so. Uh, I think it was John Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, John would go to court, she would go to retract him all statements. And he asked me to come and meet him later on in that. And the problem I won that night. And I got a couple of cigarettes. Nanny smoked, my aunt, my mum never smoked, my dad never smoked, and a bottle of whiskey. So, they drank whiskey, I didn't get drink whiskey. It wasn't for me, it was a gift to give my dad to, for sorting it out. Mm-hmm. You know, so, my man name obviously cropped up on the radar later on. It was like, was that that boy came to you at the door? To tell me about the statement, and it was me. So the fact that people have been portraying uh, some sort of orphanage that my mum and dad weren't capable of looking after me. Mm-hmm. It must have been the Thomas that looked after me. Yeah. If you look at my previous convictions, no get them. Because that's what Bobby Cubbins said, Paul, that's your CV <laughs> <laughs> for the the repeat offending uh, programmes. Paul, that's your CV. And I thought, fuck it, I'm so it is. So there's a time scale. It's impossible. Uh, I've, I've spent I was 16 years of age, right up to 21 years of age. I'd met Thompson, senior and junior, probably a handful of times. Yeah. And that's the history of how we know we go to know each other. Mm-hmm. If you want me to expand on it, I'll expand on it. But mm. I, th- I think there's maybe a standalone position on how did you get involved with them or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did you come? From? But as long as, as long as we can establish the threads, mm-hmm. uh, chronology, because what you can never do is go back and eradicate your previous convictions. Yeah. To say, hold on a minute, you were out at this time. I was a, a teenage delinquent. Yeah. Never. I had a. Some would say. A, an elastic band on the back that soon you're out the front door you get probably hauled back in shortly. And, and nine times out of ten I am. Yeah. It's what me and Bobby come in, it's called the revolving door syndrome. Mm-hmm. So for 16 right away through all eight years, <laughs> the only people looking after me was was uh, prison staff. Yeah. Some were good, some were bad, and some were really good, and some were really fucking bad. You know, so... That dispels another myth in regards to uh, the protégé that he brought up that he thought more about me and his son. He didn't fucking know enough about me, but <laughs> about his son. You know, that's people that have put that out there that he yeah. eyed me up as the, the guy that's over, going to overtake his business. Steve, the whole point about it is I've looked on the situation regarding <coughs> the Godfather shit, right? Yeah. I've never heard them getting called up. This is newspaper stuff to elevate somebody's position. Yeah. Right? And then when he died, it came out to Tam McGraw. Tam McGraw's going to be the next godfather, and I thought that could probably be right because the previous one was dealing with security services and cops. Yeah. And getting left on it. Mm-hmm. This one's similar, fits the bill. Yeah. But suddenly died. We get mouth to mouth resuscitation 
for his wife's boyfriend, who was allegedly blown sideways <laughs> when he's getting him resuscitation. And he died, John McGraw died, uh, uh, Hovis 50-50 crusts, and Thompson died of a heart attack. But I don't think, Thompson died of a heart attack because of an old man. Yeah. McGraw had two autopsies. One, they couldn't believe that. The second one was to believe the independent one that brought on to go, the fuck this out? Because there was a suggestion that we done Thompson's milk. There was a suggestion that the same thing got done at McGraw. And there was a suggestion that that's why Lobin got moved for Scottish prison. Because somebody was in possession of a substance, a noxious substance. And Tam McGraw knew about it. That's why he didn't eat in jail. That's why he came out, look, look, don't want to make any comparisons, but that's why he came out looking like he's not been fed. Because mm-hmm. he didn't want to eat. Mm-hmm. So the gang, the, the godfather part is, who's going to stay? Right, McGraw, Thompson's dead, so the godfather's gone. Nick Godfather is going to be Tom McGraw. Right, they loved it for a wee while until the crust got him. And then they're looking for, hey, here's the one. But this time I've already declared anyway, I'm 2002, I'm going straight, I'm not bothered. But it's only when Donald McIntyre says, do you not think it's a bit ironic for that when you get out, oh, that's our house? I went, do you know what caused that, Donald? I'm sure you're going to have a reasonable explanation for it. I went, and an awful one. I said, I won my appeal. See, if I never won my appeal and got my sentence reduced, well, that would have happened anyway. And I'd have come out. And somebody would have said, you got all that carpet bomb for your, your big arrival on the, back on the scene. So you can't win. Either way, you've done it. Yeah. Either way, you've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, so your job is not to maintain this, but to sort out the unfinished business parts of all the aspects of it. De-glamorise the gangsterism and just put it way back where it should be an educational part for some young guys that are growing up thinking, yeah, I'm going to get involved in this. And it is good when you're you're in going about it, but it ain't so good at the end of the day. I've been fortunate enough to see it and put my hands up. There was no great divine intervention when the doors opened in Franklin, somebody saying, do you want to go straight, my son? it was nothing like that. It was my choice. I had four eight, eight months to think about it. That's what I've been doing since then, and that's what we're doing now. Only in this aspect, I have lost a lot of good people. And this is a kind of fitting tribute for Reg, uh, because Unfinished Business was a chapter that now has become a book, and Reggie's motto about it all is, we write it and we keep it real. And that's it. And that's what we're going to do.